Welcome to All Things Church Planting, a podcast dedicated to empathize with and empower the church planter. We aim to walk alongside you in your unique calling through real stories and relevant topics. We're a production of the 80 Plus Million Initiative of the Central Region of the Christian and Missionary Alliance. You can check us out at 80plusmillion.org. Here are your hosts, Justin Thornton, coming from Glass City, USA, and Todd Sovine, coming from his aggressively creepy basement. Welcome to All Things Church Planting. I am your host, Justin Thornton. Todd Sovine is vacationing somewhere. I hope he's having a good time and resting while we all work. Uh, we all love Todd. Uh, I got I got some guests today. I have a phenomenal topic, I think. I think it's a topic that everybody's thinking about. Everybody, maybe it's in the back of their mind. It's a little bit peripheral. They're thinking, where does preaching fit? What, what, where is preaching going? We know that the church is changing. We know that we're no longer trying to depend on Sunday morning for all of our discipleship, which is a good thing. Uh, we're, we're walking that to death a little bit. And where does preaching fit in the next 10, 15 years of communicating the word of God? And where does it fit inside of micro-churching? And where does it fit inside of uh, different creative church uh, components and elements and methodologies? Where, where does it all fit? And so I got some guests that our church planners, one and two, they are thinking through this all the time, and they're uh, they they have not uh, planted traditional models. They're they're planting uh, creative models where they're trying to love their neighborhoods well. I've watched them for a couple years and have just admired what they've done. So I'm excited to hear their take on this. Would you, would you guys introduce yourself, starting with Myra? Myra, where are you at? What uh, where do you minister? What's your role? Yep, I'm here in North Omaha, Nebraska, right in the middle of America, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, and I serve as one of the pastors of our church. We launched a church, planted the gospel in a neighborhood I grew up in a couple years ago, Mission Church. So, yeah, we do a plethora of things, man, but our, our number one desire, man, is to unleash hope in every inner city, starting right here in Omaha. Amen. Yeah, man. Good to good to be here. Amen. Yeah, so I'm Joel. Glad to be with you guys today. Um, and I, uh, for the last 15 years, have been on staff at a legacy church, actually, uh, called the Gospel Tabernacle, over 100-year-old church. Um, I'm transitioning from that role, actually, in a few weeks, but it's been a, been a good run there. And one thing that happened over the years was a family, a network of micro churches got uh, planted, catalyzed out of that called the Greenhouse Network. And uh, that network is doing a bunch of stuff in the Pittsburgh region. So that's where I am. I'm about 20 miles outside of Pittsburgh in a former steel town called Aliquippa. You're in Pittsburgh where they put fries on salad. Yeah, you learned that when you came for a visit. <laughs> you got to try it, man. Don't don't it just hate. Just cancels it. out the salad. It makes no sense. You can't hate until you try it. Once you this try woman, it, this woman literally said to me, "Do you want the fries on the side or on top of the salad?" And I just, I just I went dumb. I'm like, I don't know. Anyways, it was a beautiful good thing. I said something because I knew where I knew where it was headed. So. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was a great visit. I love what you guys are doing. Um, hope we visit visit Mission Church and, and see what you guys do 
uh, in detail. Uh, we'll hear some about that today, though, at the same time. Uh, we're talking about the place for preaching. And really, I, I, I was hoping the topic would be the redemptive pocket for preaching, but I felt like that was too long and <clears throat> maybe a bit annoying. So <laughs> I, I want to try to build up to that redemptive pocket, though, before I ask you guys some questions. I feel like in, in Romans 14, Paul is talking to, I, I, I wish you would call it the Nunya passage, because he's talking to a bunch of people and He's like, some people eat meat and some people don't. And some people celebrate these holidays and some people don't. And uh, he's asking for them, the mature believers, to have wisdom and to how, 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 another, how another brother or how another sister operates is kind of nunya. It's, it's not really your business. It's just <laughs> just live your life in freedom and, you know, and, and honor God through, how, through your freedom and, and how you think on that specific topic. Um, and, and I... And I think of that way when it comes to preaching as well. I, I think there is a redemptive pocket for it. Just like there's a redemptive pocket for meat in the ancient Jewish culture and, and how they were going to figure out how to navigate Gentiles and Jews coming together. There's a, there's a redemptive pocket, a middle ground, a, you know, the tug and pull of two tent, tent poles. That, that tension that's created in the middle creates this perfect middle ground. There is that for preaching somewhere in the next 15 years, preaching and teaching the word of God to be specific. Um, or if you think about it like alcohol, our denomination CMA has went through like a bunch of different ups and downs. I remember in my district, they wanted me to sign something back in the day. This was pretty far back. Uh, thankfully, now we have, a, we have a policy. We have something written. We have something good. Um, but back in the day, it was basically you touch alcohol and it's pure shame. You know, if if you that's this end of the spectrum you touch alcohol it's pure shame even if you're having one drink in freedom and you're not around a brother or sister who's going to stumble it's just shame you sign something and you probably should be fired um and so that that was this end of the spectrum uh and then you have another end of the spectrum when it comes to alcohol and this end of the spectrum is you don't have any boundaries you don't have modesty you drink in front of whoever you want whenever you want even if someone could stumble or fall back into alcoholism, you're not caring about your brother at all. You're just drinking how you want to drink because you can and you're free in Christ, right? There's two ends of the spectrum when really we know there's this middle ground. There's this redemptive pocket where, and if you can have a drink, you don't have alcohol in your alcoholism, in your history, and you've been able to have a drink in freedom and you don't do it in front of a brother. We know that there's this redemptive pocket. And if Paul was talking about that in Romans 15, 14, that's what he, he'd be talking about, the redemptive pocket for alcohol. And I, I know it's a terrible metaphor, but I, I, I think about preaching like I think about alcohol. <laughs> uh, it's a terrible metaphor. But that's, that's what I think about. I think there's, there is this redemptive pocket where on one side of the spectrum, yes, we idolize this for way too long. We propped these people up. Sunday, the Sunday morning presentation of the scriptures, or not the scriptures, just the presentation in general, was propped up as everything. It was our whole discipleship process. And as notorious pendulum swingers that, that we are, as followers of Jesus, we're like, that ain't it. We've seen that die. We've, we're, it's dying. We're seeing it all over the place. We're like, this isn't it. This isn't going to make disciples. We got plenty. We got enough. We got 20, 30 years of this to know not enough. So we swing that thing. And my fear is that we swing it too far and just go preaching is preaching the word of God. It has no place. 
where in Acts 2, 42 through 47, the passage that we all love, had some place. The apostles teaching, they were teaching in small environments, big environments, didactic environments. They, they were teaching all over the place. It had some place. It was just one thing on the list. It wasn't all their discipleship process. That's not how they made disciples. They had all sorts of things they were doing in, in, in that favorite passage of ours. Um, and so what is, what is that one thing? What is that redemptive pocket when it comes to preaching? Uh, and sorry, that was, that was a little bit long. I don't usually do that on, on this podcast uh, because you guys are the guests and, and we really want to hear from you. So, um, but, but I wanted to set that up and, and find out what, what is that redemptive pocket and where do you see that guy, where do you see that in, 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 your, uh, in your process of making disciples in your church? And so uh, let, me, let me ask you this first question. And we can we can just go in that same order. We can go Myron and then Joel. Um, where does preaching fit for you in making disciples? What does it look like, and where does it fit for you? I think I think being being able to what what's been helpful for me is to posture myself as I'm I'm a part of the congregation as well. Hmm. I, I am, I am, and, and not just that I am a part of the, this congregation, but I'm a part of this family, right? And in a family, there's variances of authority, right? Um, but I think for us, with all that in mind, what's, what's helpful for us is the spreading of the gifts of God, right? And seeing our gifts as, a, as an instrument to take on family responsibility. Mm-hmm. Notice the language I'm using. It's no transactional, like none of that stuff. It's familial. So the biggest shift is family. Mm-hmm. And, be, and because, and so now we're trying to follow the, that, the metaphor of biblical family in the scriptures, right? So when we look at, you know, how, how a family at home would teach, you know, one, one, one way that I'm t- trying to teach my kids to, or, or, and sometimes preach to my kids about like, like responsibility of keeping, keeping their, their rooms clean and keep, and making sure that you pick up after yourself. It has it like, I'm, I'm teaching and I'm demonstrating, I'm communicating and I'm demonstrating. And I think that's the, that's the, the formula for, this redemptive pocket is like, I have to, I have to demonstrate it. I have to communicate it, but it is in the context of a family. Right. Mm -hmm. So that has informed how, when we gather that with that in mind, everything that I just said, that has informed um, and shaped the way that we, the the, the way that we gather as a family. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, 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 it's less about, because when you look at Jesus, we see him proclaiming the kingdom, but there is a large amount of time where they sitting back kicking it with their feet, with their feet up, and Jesus is telling stories, and everybody just think he's telling stories, but he's not telling stories for the story's sake. He's telling them for the sake of the kingdom, mm-hmm. right? So in all Climb of my, at the table. yeah. So it's in all of my concentric circle of relationship. I'm God. God has called me to embody preaching in the context of relationship. And so on, in our, on our Saturday gatherings, see, we, we gather on Saturdays. <clears throat> a 40-minute preaching 
or teaching has been reduced to 15 minutes. And then 40 to 50, 50 minutes of conversation around tables with food and water and refreshments, um, asking questions that, that reinforce disciple making. Mm. And overwhelmingly, we, when we went from, from, from rows to tables, overwhelmingly, the, the, the thing that I kept hearing is, you're forcing us to think. <laughs> so they were mad and excited about that? <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and kids are engaging in <clears throat> discussions. People are having you know, parties and, 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 you know, and, and it's like, for us, that's the redemptive pocket. Is there preaching or teaching? Yes. Not just me I actually re scale back my preaching and teaching time to allow for other congregants to communicate and preach the word of God. Right. And so I'm, I'm, I'm demonstrating that, that I'm not the only one with the gift to preach or communicate or anything like that. It's like, we're a body together and we get to experience together with the spirit of God is saying to all of us together as we, as we discern the voice of God. Yeah. Myra, I heard you describe it at, at, on a panel as a, you're trying to create a flat structure. Mm. Can, can you expand on that a little bit more? Yeah. Flat, flat for us equals family. <laughs> so um, anytime Google um, wants to innovate around a new, a new product, uh, they create an environment for fun. They create an environment for autonomy and interdependence upon the greater structure. Mm -hmm. And they resource all of them. And so out of that comes these amazing apps. And then they can start to beta test th that in the real marketing, you know, all these different types of things. And so it's like, that's what we want to do. That's what we imagine that, that the kingdom is like. Like the, like the kingdom of God is like Google. Like, like a fun place where you can discover and create solutions that people are having that now people are then searching for, right? And it, you know, it, it, it you know, it, it's, it's just, it changes the game. Let me give you, let me give you, let me give you a reason why uh, a real life example. So, so out of this stuff, I just got to talking about uh, a young lady comes to me and says, you know, I really want to, I really want to do something in my community. How, why could she say that? Because we've been preaching that the kingdom of God is all about unleashing unprecedented hope. And consequently, this young lady comes to me and she says, I, you know what? I get it. People don't need a handout. They need a hand up. And we sat down because I have, I have a marketing company. So we sat down and, and when, you know, Facebook groups were going like this, taking off, this lady um, was able to create a community called the Village Resource Center where over 2,500 people in this Facebook group, thousands and thousands and thousands of people legitly have gotten help, connections, community is happening. And, and this, this is all in the context of this flat structure called family where we all realize our role and assume it in a way that brings hope to people. That's the redemptive pocket of preaching. If it's not leading to people being mobilized for the mission of God and then multiply, then it's just good communication and not good preaching. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Joel. 
Yeah. Man, that was so good. Yeah, I'm not um, I'm not gonna judge you, Myron, for comparing the kingdom of God to Google because I compared preaching to preaching to alcohol. <laughs> and Justin, you were starting, and I was like, I'm not on this podcast to discuss alcohol. Is this gonna go to people? I didn't agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. My, my my mind goes into a, a few directions with the role that you know preaching has has played for us and some of it has to do with context you know and i think that context matters for everything you know but it matters for preaching as well so you know some of our story was that before there was a microchurch network before any of that was multiplying uh some of us as college students just out of college students had gotten connected to this legacy church and um you know Western Pennsylvania is a place where like legacy institutions matter, you know, um, we're connected to these things multi-generationally, you know, and it's not just our churches, it's our schools, it's, you know, a, a bunch of different things, you know, and so, um, you know, we came in all excited to reimagine the church and we had Neil Cole's book, Organic Church in Our Hand, all that stuff, and that stuff is deeply formative, um, but I think we realized that like part of our context is its institutions and the artifacts in those institutions. And like those things matter. And part of the fabric of that is our churches, even to unbelievers. You know what I mean? Like in our, in our context, like we would, we'd be doing stuff in our houses, you know, gathering our neighbors and meeting. And, and if we would call that church, like this is in the early years and we've probably, we've probably are further down the road now redefining some things, but in the early years, if we'd be like, yeah, this is church. I mean, our unbelieving friends would be like, this ain't church, <laughs> you know, like, because they, they have something in mind, right? And even for the unbelieving community around us, church has meant something, it has a definition to it, you know what I mean? So if we're going to be on mission in this context, I don't think out of a desire for innovation or, uh, I don't know, ecclesiological purity or something, we can ignore like the context, you know? So if our context includes something that even unbelievers call church and that, that thing church includes something called preaching, right? Around which there are certain expectations and, um, you know, artifacts, a pulpit and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I don't think it can be ignored. I'm not saying that you don't challenge the idolatries in that, right? Which we do in every context. We challenge the idolatries of every context. Um, but it's, I think it's a mistake like to ignore it, you know? Mm -hmm. And so even as the micro church network grew, the greenhouse network grew, I think one thing we didn't anticipate was how important um, those gatherings on, on Sundays of the gospel tabernacle would become for us. Um, there's a lot I could say about that, but I just don't think we anticipated that because we were deconstructing this thing. You know what I mean? We were getting rid of programs. We were, you know, pushing things out into the community and somehow like Sunday morning was taking on a new meaning that actually seemed more important to us than, mm. than what we had inherited, you know, in this, in this situation. So just a few thoughts on like preaching in that. Um, number one, I think like the way, we do something like preaching demonstrates our values, you know? So, man, I just, I loved what Myron was saying about family. Um, 
I think it's not just what we say in preaching, it's how we do it that demonstrates something about what we actually believe, you know? So for the last few years, I've preached with a team of like 17, you know, men and women, um, you know, most of whom don't have formal theological education or anything like that, but we've empowered them, you know, to preach. That says something about who we are as a family, right? Who has the right to speak, who we, and it says something, right? When I'm sitting under their preaching, you know what I mean? Like when I'm listening, when I'm receiving the word of God from them, right? Um, and so we are performing our values, you know, I mean, performance of the best possible connotation, but I think that's what families do, right? With use my language, like when they get together, they perform the things that are important to them, you know? Um, and so I think like the way we empower people in preaching. So man, like at the gospel tab over the years, when someone preaches their first sermon, um, those are the loudest Sundays when people are clapping and amening and shouting, because you can see people get it. You know what I mean? Like, this is what we're doing. Like this person has never ministered in this way before. And we're going to come behind them because we see God doing something in their life. You know, um, I also think like thinking about like all the decentralized stuff, you know, that started to happen around the gospel tab. I think there's also something that uh, I don't think like we can ignore the way rhetoric or um, the power dynamics in rhetoric form movements, you know? Um, I think to pretend that that's not there, um, like we're, we're being dishonest, you know? So I would rather acknowledge it and then try to steward that in a faithful way. And so um, it's like, man, I, I think like first and foremost, we're holding out the word of God to people, right? But not in a vacuum. Like I think a lot of preaching in a lot of places just ends up being an informational presentation or it ends up being a performance of rhetoric, you know? Um, but I think the question is, what is the spirit of God saying to the church? And in particular, this family, like this group of people, like what's happened mm -hmm. in the neighborhood this week, you know, like what's happened in their lives this week. I think part of our preparation for preaching has to involve that, like this, the work of the spirit in this particular context with these particular people. And I think out of that comes a particular move of God, right? It's like preaching in the context of like listening to, to his spirit. And just the last thing I'll say to build on that is, um, I think, I think one of the biggest values still for us in that Sunday gathering isn't the sermon per se or the music per se. It's, it's the, to use Mike Breen's language, it's the white hot center. It's the way that we get to be in God's presence together. And, you know, Myron's story was perfect. Like the sense of someone's like, oh, something clicks and they hear something from God and then get to respond. And to me, whatever we're doing in a gathering like that, that's where it's got to end up. Like the action happens when people hear from Jesus, right? And get to respond in obedience or respond in repentance. Um, and I think like even in decentralized movements, stuff like that, we need those places, you know, where as a family, we experience God's presence together. And out of that, out of those encounters with Jesus, like, you know, mission can can flow. And so um, that's, that's been some of what's most important for me. Yeah. And your guys' answer make me no longer like the second question. So I'm, I'm, I'm going <laughs> to- Is it about alcohol? 
Because <laughs> um, I want to rift off of what you're saying a, a bit. Um, because, Joel, you talked about having a team of 17 people, which is the focus of decentralization. Uh, Myron talked about, you know, kicking it back out to the family to have this yeah. discussion, which is decentralization. So I'm, I'm thinking about the audience of this podcast and the fears that were just created <laughs> inside of them. Because people have to think. <laughs> <laughs> well, they're now thinking. They're now thinking about the 16 other preachers and how many bombs that could be. Uh, and they're also thinking about, because we, we've heard this, especially when we, when we hang out with microchurch movements, the, the, the skepticism starts to fly about, you know, with, with this or heretic or it, it just starts to, the mess starts to overcome the beauty. Hey, so so here's, a, here's a reality. COVID, COVID in and of itself shut every church building door in America. Mm-hmm. And pastors for the first time, maybe, their pulpit became a digital platform. Mm-hmm. Facebook, Zoom, right? And all of a sudden then some of those pastors started to realize that the ones that was in a church who had the preaching gift, many of them got 10, 20, 30,000 people following them on a platform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do I say that? Because the majority of the pe- people in our churches, they're already preaching. Mm-hmm. Mm. they already doing it which tell that's decentralized that's like that's multiplication right so i think i think us leaders we should um instead of being lead pastors maybe we should call ourselves lead facilitators yeah because that's the call we're we're, we're called to you know facilitate and equip which is the which is the other side of this coin of 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 is my preaching equipping mm. and the only way to to know that is to look at the fruit of the body of the body mm-hmm. is 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 you know what i mean and so that's how I'm, i don't know if i answered your question <laughs> yeah no it's almost like we need to have a jethro moment right where Moses is sitting on the throne and everything's coming to them all, all day long. Um, and Jethro comes in and says, Hey, we, this makes, this doesn't even make sense in modern day language. This makes no sense. And so then, then it's distributed the next day. And then in the very next chapter, God calls them a nation of priests. Mm-hmm. So when he was, when he was willing to release his platform, and empower people and train people and send people or at least at least make 12 leaders of 12 tribes of israel so then, I, I got yeah do i it. got the i got the perfect illustration for this redemptive pocket called preaching okay um Is it alcohol? no it's um no i ain't gonna say what i was going there stay on script stay on script i don't, don't want to create more fear um um, so remember Jesus is with the masses and he asked a question about how we're going to feed these people. And the little boy comes up and he has his fish sandwich and something yep. right. Um, it, um, it says that Jesus broke the, the bread. Yeah. 
and distributed it. That's good. And right. then once he distributed it, his disciples was the were the ones who, right? He's yeah. he, it's 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 this teachable moment that's happening, and yet that's, yeah, and and it's the same in our preaching. Mm. That that is it distributive, and, and and is it multiplicative, and is it creating yeah. fruit? You know what I mean. If it's not, then we have to return back to to the essentials of Jesus. So good. You know, that that we can follow that. You know what I mean. That's a word. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. good, and you've embodied it, Myron. In that conversation thing, it's so good. Hmm. Um, you know, Justin, you were talking about the like fears. There's a few thoughts on that. Like th those fears at a core level have to be confronted, not just surrounding preaching, but surrounding everything. You know, like, um, and sure, I'll admit it's uncomfortable, it's scary, it's whatever. But whatever fear we feel about empowering people, it has to be compared to a God who gave his power to people in the first place. You know, it's like, it's like God distributes his own power, you know, into people, invests his own spirit into people. I mean, that's insane. Like, that's not. That's not how I would pick to get the job done, you know, if I were God, you know, and yet this is what we learn about God, how he relates to power is that he gives power away, you know, that he, what power he has, he just gives us, we say in our church all the time, God just always gives us stuff away, you know, he's just always, you know, that's, that's what Myron said about bread and it's just just always giving his stuff away. Like sometimes I can't believe he gives stuff to that person. <laughs> I mean, like he's so generous, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's what he's like. His posture is generosity, you know, with his power. And so wow. it's not just preaching, you know what I mean? Like it's everything. And I think there's probably a, a bunch of false beliefs underneath why, you know, we have such high anxiety about doing something like, for instance empowering multiple preachers you know like like you, you know you mentioned the role of preaching in the book of acts well peter says in that sermon on pentecost he quotes joel your sons and daughters male female will prophesy mm. um so it's like you know a characteristic of of this move of god is that people will have the speech of god in their lips you know inspired by the spirit of god and that this will be broadly distributed to the church and I think on a fundamental level, we just don't believe that that has actually happened right. or believe that God has made that kind of investment or pastors don't experience that in their own lives. So they don't know how to give that away. You know, I think there's, there's a bunch of things like I'll say something about the, um, and I, I didn't come up with this. It, uh, I, I may, I forget where I heard this, but I've reflected on it since, but um, like when it comes to like biblical faithfulness, our, our seminary education you know, our degrees have not done a great job with that. Like if we're honest, you know, like all these things that were meant for quality control have not led us to more biblical faithfulness or something, you know, and at least in, in our microchurch, like experience, the most faithful people I know to the scriptures are uh, new believers. Um, they just like read it at face value and do it. And while we have like all this like fancy theology to get around doing it, you know, <laughs> like, like they just, they just do it. And, and whatever tensions are present in the scripture that we argue ad nauseum about, they just live in it. 
You know what I mean? And they just keep following Jesus and faith in it. So for me, good, man. some of the, some of the most faithful people I know are people whose backgrounds were in the streets and they deal with the Bible way more faithfully. Like fasting is a big deal in our network because a guy from the streets came to faith, started reading his Bible and was like, isn't this supposed to be a thing? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. and it's like, oh, you're right. You know, like, let's start fasting more. You know what I mean? Like he led us into obedience, you know, from the scriptures because he just, you know, took it at face value. And, right. and the last thing there is just like, man, whatever, whatever we're afraid of and empowering people, we're missing opportunities to be in this journey with them. Like, I'm not suggesting there aren't dangers in something like preaching it. As a matter of fact, it's like filled with dangers, like ego and all this stuff. But some of my favorite things to do are to sit with our preachers after they preach the sermon as family. You know, Myron keeps using that word that like we can have these conversations because our relationship isn't just, I don't know, like on staff at a church or something. It's like we're in this thing with each other. Right. Hey, so, hey, hey, you know what you just said about like um, staff versus family? Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to see people like family if they're your boss. <laughs> yeah right right if, if they if they give you a paycheck and you still and you say they family so you know what we did we quit paying everybody because embodied values because <laughs> because because over the last couple of years as family members, we, we, with all of our limitations financially, we've had, we've had to create new, um, skill sets so that we could launch companies. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, and so, and so now it's like, now I, I like, there's no way for me to con leave them be, you know, by, by having over their head, I'm their boss. That's right. Like that, that part of it is gone. So now we're we're leading in a place of friendship. So now the meaning, my, my preaching is it's a dialogue now. Like it, you know what I mean? It's because these we're we're as friends and as family, we're we're talking about the scriptures in a way that's that's meaningful and it's challenging in us, is and it's it's causing us to think. And, 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 you know, and have these, what my dude Jay Moon will say, adjacent um, possible conversations where mm -hmm. I say something that leads to the birth of something new. And it all transpired because we opened up the word of God and was faithful to reading it together. Mm, yeah. And upholding the word of God over the one presenting it. Mm. Yeah, mm -hmm. now it's influential leadership. It's not positional leadership. It's good. Yeah. I can see trying to push that into preaching too. It's, it's influential preaching, not positional. I'm not standing behind a pulpit separate yeah. and holy other than you because of my degree. I'm standing with you as family. Um, and so now, now it becomes influential leadership because I can't lord it over you. And isn't that the, yeah. I mean, those are the dangers that, that Joel was just talking about is people start reading their own fan mail. They start to, right. you know, think they're, better or holier than everybody else. And, and, and it happens pretty quick. Uh, and, and now that platform has become too big for them. And now that platform sits over the, the, the people that they love. Um, 
I mean, that's good. I, I'd like to stay along those lines. I'd like to just kind of stay on this topic because this is this feels beneficial. Uh, and I don't think it's a conversation that a lot of people are having. Um, like I said at the beginning, it, it feels like a peripheral in the back of my mind. I know that something has to change, but we've been doing this for so long. So <laughs> can I change? Uh, so I'd like to talk to those people. I, I'm, hopefully I'm, I'm thinking about the audience a lot. I'd like to talk to those people that are thinking, I, I'd like to change the way that we preach and teach. I, I'd like it to to be more familiar, familial. I'd like it to be uh, more empowering, like Myron said. So what are some steps we can take to get there, especially in a Follow Joel Repic. Just follow him. <laughs> on Twitter, Go do, a two, uh, do a, do a two-day retreat. Pay that brother well and hang out. <laughs> if you pay me, we're not family. So give, <laughs> give, give, Christmas gift. Christmas yeah, yeah, that's right. Love, that's right. Follow the Christmas gift. I love offering. <laughs> no, you gotta go first now. <laughs> Man, the one the one thing that comes to mind. As just as a first step, just the, the phrase that came into my mind when you were asking that was uh, share something like mm. that's it, you know, <laughs> just like as a first act of faith, like you're not sure, you know, how to get to these things. I mean, we're talking about some things that might seem far away, especially. And I, and I, I mean, I really, I really have a soft spot in my heart, especially for legacy churches. That was part of our story, you know, was, was experiencing a legacy church experience renewal and a new way of doing church you know and i know that overwhelming feeling it's like how could this ever be you know what i dream it to be or embody these values or like whatever and um so you know so we're talking about things about big preaching teams tables all stuff it, it may you know seem overwhelming but it's like i think moves of god always start just by giving away what we have you know and and creating space for god to do something that is an act of courage you know like not every sermon that gets preached at the tab is a is like a a great one you know especially in terms of like rhetoric like you know like i mean people are learning you know what i mean they're figuring this thing out you know and so i think you know if you're not used to that that can feel like an act of courage because especially if we're obsessed about every Sunday being a quality controlled attractional event so that we keep every visitor, right? Um, it feels like an act of courage to give space to something that's not that, you know what I mean? But yeah, I don't but, know about you guys. I've, I've sat in some pretty bad order, you know, presentations, but if there's a faithful reading of the scriptures and a faithful explanation of it i'm going home full that's right that's i don't right. need 50 minutes like as long as there's that so maybe it's not the it's always the context but sometimes just what we're teaching as we're teaching people to teach and preach we know that it's going to be bad for a while but can they just faithfully explain the scriptures in context and that's right go home like, full? and can we share that responsibility you know with with other people, you know? And so like, sometimes, you know, I'll hear people say like, you know, I just, you know, people in ministry, maybe in a traditional staff setting are just like, yeah, I don't have anyone around me that, you know, could be empowered to do X, Y, and Z. And 
I often think you probably do. Honestly, you probably do, you know, but you, you have to be willing to share, you know, with people who are where they're at, you know, on, on their journey. And I get that that takes courage, but, um, but I think a lot of times we just don't want to share either because of our relationship to responsibility or the role that we feel like we're supposed to have in the church or whatever. I mean, it can be a bunch of different things. Um, I think, I think a lot of times just our fears, but um, I think that first step is to share. I mean, if you're not ready to share the sermon, share the preparation of the sermon, like believe that, that the people in your community can speak to you something from the spirit of God about that passage, you know, like, all those things that's sharing, you know what I mean? It's just opening up some space, you know, for God to work, uh, you know, in a, in a community of people, I think. Google it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so let me tell you what I mean by that. I think finding this, this topic called preaching as a redemptive pocket requires us to learn from our culture. Mm. so googling top 10 young influencers on tiktok mm. and how how are they communicating how are they preaching who are they preaching to mm. what kind of music are they using who's commenting and i i say all that because like then that that could that could then become a, a bridge into, um, you know, because what I'm talking about is contextualizing your preaching. Yeah. Right. Um, in a way that's helpful because here's the reality. Our 20 to 40 minutes of preaching on Sunday that we've somehow made central to the gospel. That's another conversation. Is a, is competing against Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google, Amazon, Twitter, LinkedIn, Netflix, LinkedIn. Google, Disney Club, <laughs> Peacock. You know what I'm saying? So, so who's really discipling who? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And if that's the case, I can exclusively rely on the gospel being central to 40 minutes on Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Gentlemen, closing thoughts. What just something you really wanted to say, but the other person was talking and you were waiting for them to stop talking and they didn't. <laughs> <laughs> um I mean I I think I think we've already said some of it, but I think the starting, like, at least on the journey to making preaching more redemptive, I'll be honest with you, like, I inherited this preaching thing in this legacy church, and to be real with you, I still have questions about it, you know, like, I've learned things today from this conversation, things Myron has said, um, that challenge me even still, you know, and how I think about this thing that we've inherited, but that's, that's what we're doing. If we've inherited church forms, you know, if we didn't have a blank slate and none of us did, and we've all, we're all inheriting things, you know, um, then I think we do have a responsibility to reform it, you know, along the lines of our context and the scriptures. And I think that's, you know, an ongoing journey to faithfulness, you know? Um, and so I'm still on that, you know, I still have questions about, um, 
you know, preaching in its redemptive role, but I do know that good things have happened with it in terms of encounter with Jesus and movement and discipling people and empowering people, you know, to hold out the word of God, you know, to their own community and, you know, all those things. I've seen enough good out of it that I'm still in it. Like I haven't tapped out, you know, it's like, let's, let's keep like, you know, figuring, figuring this thing out together. And maybe some of the first steps are things we already mentioned, but just that, you know, uh, sharing or thinking about it differently in terms of context or whatever but I, th I think it's just it's an ongoing thing as a matter of fact I was um I only have a couple more leadership team meetings at the at the gospel tab with the with the men and women who lead us at this point and uh, one of those meetings was last night and uh, we, we had a big conversation about preaching mm -hmm. and what it looks like for us to keep speaking into this with each other you know um, and it was so good. We've been doing this for a long time, but I learned things from that conversation last night, you know, uh, about how does this continue to fit our values, you know, what God has made us to be. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I just think it's an important conversation to keep engaging in, you know? Yeah. Amen. Yeah. Well, man, this brother deep. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I always love to listen to this brother, man, but remember when uh they had the conversation about um i think it was i forget the jerusalem council maybe about no, it wasn't the jerusalem council but the conversation around abstaining gentiles ought to yeah. you know restrain from sexual immorality uh strangled something that sounds weird right um but they were making a distinction between jewish and gentile mm. and and when you think about this discussion, one of the things that come to my mind is, is, is where did the present form of the way that we do church come from? Mm. Okay, yes. let's go all the way back and, and back cast all the way back to, to see what did the context and the culture look like, act like, feel like. Is my form more Jewish or is it more Gentile? If it's more Gentile, then wow, I'm not a Jew. And I'm not called to subscribe to any of the law, but actually to follow the spirit. And so if that's true, then I get to reimagine yeah. preaching. Yes. If I'm a Gentile, I get to reimagine preaching in the context of my call. And I think that could be a great starting point for maybe helping us move forward, looking at the history, looking at our history, looking at biblical history. So, right and, and then saying okay lord with all of with with all of what we have discovered together how ought we with integrity what's the best way of moving forward in the area of preaching yes so good you say i'm deep but i have uh, literally a whole page of notes of things you've said Myron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think this is helpful i mean i i just hope this podcast is helpful I, and i think this was super yeah. for people thinking through and if we take a learning posture we'll take a teaching posture later on but let's take if we take a learning posture in this season as the church is changing um and we learn from each other and you know because we want to we want to disseminate and and give the word of god to people um yeah. so and now we get a bit of a blank slate um yeah sure but like you said we have we have artifacts we have, we have things that we need to honor we have for sure, but we do have a little bit of a blank slate, especially in the church planning world. Mm -hmm. uh, that's why we plant churches, because <laughs> we, 
you don't like how it's going, you can just plan a church and do it. You know, you can, <laughs> you can start with a blank slate and, and a whiteboard. Um, so I'm grateful to, for, uh, for you guys and to you guys for your conversation, for your wisdom, for your depth. Uh, praise God for your depth. Um, Myron, you want to tell us about On the Pond real quick before we head out? Yeah, man, it's really a, a, a message of hope. It's a missional, uh, missional community kind of I'm building. You know, you've heard people say, give, him, give a man a fish, you feed him for a day, teach him how to fish, feed him for life. One day it hit me. That's why my people still down, oppressed, in poverty, in trauma, because they never were taught, no, you can own the pond, mm-hmm. right? Ownership. And so, man, I'm, I'm having fun building a brand, launching a, a business summit here in August, right in the middle of the hood. Um, and so, yeah, man, so it's fun, man. It's one of the things God's called me to do in this season with entrepreneurship. Where can people go to check that out? Own the pond, own the pond apparel.com. If y'all want to get some swag or own the pond summit.com. Okay. So I'll put that in the show notes too. Right. Gentlemen, thank you so much. I hope you Appreciate had as much fun as I did. Thank you. All right. Peace. All right.